Take your Bible and turn with me to Philippians 2 once more. We're in the same passage that we were last week, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Today I'm going to be focusing on the portion of the passage. It begins with the word therefore in verse 9 and runs through to the end of our reading. And as we thought about the fact that it was the Son of God who became man last week, this week we're going to be focusing on the fact that it was a man and is a man who is now exalted to the right hand of majesty on high, as we have read already in Hebrews. Please give attention now to the word of our Lord together. I'll begin with verse 5 of chapter 2 of Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Please pray with me once more. Lord our God, I pray that you would take this passage and this sermon, and that you would use it in our hearts and our minds to do that work which you know we need, and which only you by your Spirit can do. Bless us now. Be saving us, we pray. Give us faith to hold fast to the things that you have made known to us in Jesus Christ and the gospel. We ask it in Christ's name and to the praise of the glorious one. Amen. As I said last week, we considered the first part of this passage, verses 5 through 8, and the eternal Son of God, who emptied himself, who divested himself of his privileges and prerogatives, of the honor and the dignity and the glory that rightly belonged to him and belonged to him from all eternity, that he should become a man in order to become obedient to the point of death, to fulfill all righteousness, all the righteousness that the law requires, and to suffer the penalty it demands of lawbreakers. He was obedient to the point of death, Paul writes, even death on a cross. This week, we begin with the therefore of verse 9. And really, I'm going to just camp on that term in its context. That is, we're beginning with Jesus of Nazareth and him crucified, the obedient one, the one who was obedient to the point of death, the one who is the eternal Son of God in his person, who never ceased to be the eternal Son of God in his incarnation, and even in his suffering, and even in his death for us. And yet, who is just like us in his humanity, just like us, fully human in every way, 
except without sin. It was necessary for the Son to become human to redeem us, to redeem humans. We, human beings, we are the ones under the law. We are the ones who are obligated to fulfill it, and we are the ones who are rightly condemned by it for our sin and our sinfulness. No angel and no animal could keep the law for us or pay the debt that we owe. God's covenant was originally with Adam, and only an Adam, another sinless Adam, I should say, could fulfill all the first Adam failed to do and undo all the first Adam did in his sin. And so the Son of God took on our human nature and became fully human and was conceived by Mary, of Mary, and born in Bethlehem and given the name Jesus, as it was explained, for he is the one who shall save his people from their sins. And it is this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified for us, who we read now God has so highly exalted exalted above all the rest of creation. We have to grasp the reality of Christ's humanity and let it sanctify our minds and our hearts. Just as we must grasp that Jesus is God in himself, so we must grasp that Jesus, that the Son, became fully human in him and that our ascended Lord remains fully human forever. That he is fully human today as he sits on that throne at the Father's right hand and reigns supreme over heaven and earth. And we must let ourselves think about what this means. What it means that the one who is so highly exalted, whose name is above every name, and at whose name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. What it means that, that he is a man. That he is Jesus of Nazareth, fully human, as I say, in every way. One with us in our humanity. Both our Lord and our brother. To put a point on this, he was born of a woman, just like every one of us. And he is a man of flesh and blood, just like us. Of the same human mind and heart of the same passionate, emotional nature. Our Savior, the one who is exalted on high today, knows what it is to be hungry, thirsty, exhausted, to work hard, to study hard, to learn and to grow. He endured temptation and injustice and hatred and hostility. He agonized in prayer. He walked by faith. He longed deeply, he suffered greatly, and he wept openly. And he was obedient to the point of death. And you know, the death that he died, though he was just a man like us, though not just like us, also being the eternal Son of God, his death was unlike any other. And I don't just mean that he died on a cross, an instrument of cruelty designed to terrorize oppressed people into silent, pliable submission to Rome. Because Rome actually crucified thousands of people under their rule. 
But there's something else about Christ's death, something other about Christ's death, something unique and absolutely different. Actually, there's several things, and I'm, I'm just picking out one aspect here for a moment. And that is that out of every human who has ever lived or ever will live, this man alone did not deserve to die. Have you thought about that? I don't mean just in the relative sense that he was killed by other human beings who did not have a cause, a proper cause to put him to death. Many people have been killed unjustly without due cause by their fellow human beings. I mean this in an absolute sense. Only Jesus had perfectly fulfilled the law's demands and not deviated, not stumbled, not fallen, not diverted himself at any point, even for just an instant. Only Jesus, therefore, was beyond the law's condemnation. Only Jesus, by right, was beyond the reach of death. And in fact, by the terms of the law itself, he deserved to live and to live on forever. He alone is the perfectly obedient one all the way to death, altogether righteous, deserving eternal life on his own merit. And yet Jesus, out of the whole sea of humanity, out of all the people who have ever lived, only Jesus, this man, was born in order to die for the purpose of dying. And it's precisely because he did not deserve to die, but to live and to live on forever that he was in fact free and able to die a death for others. To die for us instead of for himself as if he had sin to die for. But having no sin, his death was not for himself. It was something he could offer for others. His own life could be offered up as a payment for our sin. And so the death that he died, he died out of pure love for us. He just didn't sacrifice a few years of his life because he would have died later in old age. Death had nothing on him. And so what does it mean for him to be obedient to the point of death? He died because he was determined to save us from our sin and thus to die for us in our place under our guilt and condemnation in order to satisfy the law's demands, both as an act of of law-fulfilling love, of obedience to the Father in the full measure, and as a payment for the sin, the guilt that we have. Therefore, Paul writes, right after saying he was obedient to the point of death. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Him, the crucified one. There is a wonderful picture of this therefore, if you will. In Revelation 4 and 5, John sees the Lord God reigning in the grandeur of his majesty. Praised by the heavenly host, 
As the eternal and almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, worthy of all worship and honor and glory forever and ever. And he holds out, that is, God in his majesty, in his grandeur, holds out in his right hand the seven-sealed scroll. And he offers it to anyone who is worthy to take it. And a complete search of all creation of all creation is made, of heaven and earth and under the earth. The same phrase that that Paul uses here in Philippians 2 is used there in in Revelation, that a complete search of all creation, of, of heaven and earth and all that are under the earth, and no one was able to open. They couldn't find anyone who was able to open the scroll or to even look into it. And so John began to weep and to weep loudly. Because in that instant, everything seemed lost. It all seemed like it was in vain. But just then, one of the elders said to him, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. It's a description of Christ in his humanity as the son of David who overcame and conquered and became worthy, qualified himself as no one else was qualified. And John looked for this kingly lion of Judah. And before the throne of God, he saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And the lamb approaches the unapproachable glory. And he takes, think of the audacity. (laughs) He takes the scroll that no one else was worthy to even look into. He takes the scroll from the Father's right hand. And all the, the, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down before him in adoration and praise. And in submission and obedience. And the living one who had been slain takes his seat and begins to reign as Lord of lords and King of kings. And so begins his heavenly session and his intercession as the Lord of glory and our great high priest. And the four living creatures and the 24 elders begin to sing a new song, a new song, a song that's never been sung before. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for, because, You were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And the swell of their new song and the adoration of the Lamb who had been slain spreads across the myriads and myriads of heavenly hosts until they are all singing together with one, as one heavenly choir, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing forever and ever. Worthy is the one who was slain. It's because he was slain and slain for the sins of his people and thereby ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and nation that he is worthy. That's what's packed into that little word, therefore. 
as Paul writes in Philippians 2.9. That whole scene, if you will, because he was obedient to the point of death and died a death that ransomed a people for God. Therefore, God highly exalted him exalted him above all creation and gave him a name that is above every name that is named. And who is the exalted one? Worthy of adoration and worship and of the heavenly hosts. He is none other than the crucified one who was hunted by Herod as an infant and raised for a time as an alien in Egypt. He was abused and rejected by his own countrymen, dismissed and despised by the religious authorities, feared insane by his own family for a time, abandoned by his own disciples, and crucified by the Roman rulers. In life, he had no home of his own, and no one who seemed to truly understand him, no one. Not even Peter, who he had to rebuke. No one able to share the burden that the cross pressed onto his soul. And yet he was obedient from beginning to end. He was obedient as he prayed in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane and was scourged and stripped and paraded to Calvary and nailed to the cross where he remained in obedience until all was accomplished, obedient to the point of death. Who is the exalted one? Jesus Christ, the crucified, whose marred and lifeless body was hauled down from that same cross and hastily laid out in a borrowed tomb, humiliated for us and our salvation, but raised again on the third day and now ascended on high and seated at the right hand of majesty. And all of this, what precedes and what follows the therefore, the humiliation and the exaltation of the Lord of glory, the eternal Son of God who became man for us, all of this is for us and our salvation. He was humiliated to take away our guilt and condemnation for our justification. And he is exalted on high to bring us to glory. Exalted that we might be exalted in him. Glorified that we might be glorified in him. Do you see the significance of his being human? Do you see this? This is a critical point for us to grasp here this morning. Jesus Christ did not, he has not, and he never will cease to be human. The incarnation is irreversible. He became human at a point in time. It's a decisive thing, and he remains fully human forever while also remaining the eternal son of God. And he remains the mediator, the God-man, and our brother who even now is interceding for us, representing us as our head in heaven, the one who before the one who dwells in unapproachable glory. Christ's exaltation 
secures our exaltation. If he is not raised, then we are not raised. If he is not exalted on high today, then we have no hope of glory. But as Paul writes elsewhere, by grace, we have been raised up with him and seated in heavenly places with him so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Do you see the hope of glory in the exaltation of the crucified? Do you see the encouragement that is ours in Jesus Christ? If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, do you see the encouragement in his exaltation? Brothers and sisters, he alone, the crucified one, is, wor- is the worthy one. But he was worthy for us in our place to make us holy to the Lord, to make us into a nation and a kingdom of priests who are able to enter into the holy place, the true and heavenly tabernacle of God, and into that place where his throne is that we might minister there with him and to bring us in to the unapproachable glory. In the death of Jesus Christ, we see what our sins deserve. And in his exaltation, we see the glory his death has secured for us. That is a glory that he alone is worthy of. Because he alone was the one who was obedient to the point of death. But by the greatness of God's grace toward us in Christ, we also now have this hope of glory in him. And this same joy, a measure of this same joy that was set before Jesus Christ is now set before us. It was this joy, brothers and sisters, that enabled our Lord to deny himself so deeply and endure the cross for us and our salvation. It was this joy that he set before his disciples on the night that he was betrayed because it was the only hope that was sufficient to sustain them through all that they were going to have to endure. And it is the same joy, the same hope of glory that now enables us to deny ourselves and to deny ourselves deeply, to be faithful when tempted, to be obedient when called, to be selfless in service. In short, to have the same frame of mind in us that was in Christ which is ours in Christ, through faith in him. Jesus Christ, the crucified, is the exalted one on high. He reigns this day and this moment over heaven and earth. That, this, is our great encouragement in this life. He, in his exaltation, he is our assurance of the hope of glory, which is ours in him, which is already realized as he reigns over heaven and earth today. Let's pray. 
Lord our God, I pray that you would fill us with the hope of glory that is ours in the exalted, the ascended, the reigning Lord. Jesus Christ, our brother in his humanity, our creator in his divinity. The worthy one, the lamb who was slain, the one who was obedient to the point of death, the only one who was obedient to the point of death. And was so in order to save us, his people, from our sin. Grant us all faith that we may lay hold of him and hold fast to him all the days of our life. And fill us with the hope of glory. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.